Welcome to One City Podcast. Today, Pastors Chris and Karen Conley will take a deeper dive into this week's message and teach us to apply the truth of God's Word in our lives. Welcome to Conversations. This is Karen and Chris Conley joining you and you're joining us. Here we are together for part three of Building One City. It's all about faith hope and love. And Chris, as I think about this series, I think anybody who looks at that sermon title in the context of being very literal probably thinks this is a building campaign. Um, and there is a physical reality that um, that we are praying about God providing a physical home for us. But the first um, third, at least, of this series, maybe two-thirds. Two-thirds, yep. Two-thirds, we'll see how it all... Yeah, August and September. ...will be really focused on what does it mean to build the church what does what is church supposed to look like and and how are we going to walk in that that building who we are is as important if not more important than having a home and so as we think about this chris i know this in this particular message hopefully everybody's listened to it you were um in first john 3 8 and the second half of that verse and every verse so far in this series has just been like bam right in your face so there's there's not any like walking slowly and quietly into the series it's right there but i hope that it's been encouraging, challenging, refreshing to everybody to really just re-examine some of these really foundational things about, okay, who am I in Christ and who are we as the church? But that verse says the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. And, you know, Chris, as we start off, I know in the message, you kind of took a few minutes to describe who the enemy is. And so many times we kind of minimize it and forget like he's real. Um, But this verse is so clear as to one of the reasons that the Son of God appeared. Talk to us about, as you approach this passage, um, what you hope that others took away from it from your teaching as we dive in? Well, one of the things, just with the unbelievable clarity of that verse that is just so straightforward, right? Like I just began to think about it in the context of the lives of the people that we love the most. All right, what are the works of the devil that need to be destroyed in my life? You know, what are the works of the devil that need to be destroyed in our marriage? What are the works of the devil that need to be destroyed in our kids' lives? And that doesn't mean like there's just big, terrible thing taking place. Um, the devil is brilliant at subtleties. You know, uh, some of his biggest work is his smallest work. You know, uh, the things that, that, that the ways that he gets us to uh, just get a little bit off a of true north, you know, just make a little bit of a concession, a little bit of a compromise. And then those things take us down the wrong path for a long time before we recognize just how long we've been off the right path. So the thing I would say is what I was hoping is everyone would hear that and they would go, wow, I can't refute that. That's exactly what I want in my life and in the life of every single person I love. And 
Yes, that's what the church should be about. That's what we should be about. Not the church as in like just an organization, like you go, you make it happen. But no, that's that's what I want my life to be about. That's something to live for. Well, and I think, you know, we've been having a lot of conversations with children in college. They're, you know, making decisions of how to spend the rest of their lives as we're in dream manager and we're doing some life coaching type things. We're talking about purpose and, and that's where I think it does really resonate to say, wait a minute, am I just walking into a classroom every day or am I walking into an office every day or am I, you know, running my route every day or whatever your job, whatever your daytime, nighttime looks like. And God can use us in every one of those places, but am I taking that authority? Am I taking that light? Am I taking that power into those places that I could actually partner with God to bring um, light and to break the power of darkness in people's lives. So like you, again, in that great way, you just personalize that. But what happens is we read a scripture like Luke chapter nine, verses one and two, and we read it as if it's about somebody else. It says, and he called the 12 together and he gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. Well, is that about just the original 12 or is that about you and I? Are we disciples as well? Is that about some select group of superhero disciples, you know, the, the, the biblical Avengers, or is that no, like I am called and I was given power and authority over all demons, over all darkness, over all difficulties and to cure diseases, and he sent me out to proclaim the kingdom of God, that's that authority we've been talking about, and to heal. Like if we can receive that that's also our assignment, then when we submit ourselves to that assignment, then we're entrusted with that authority, and we can begin to live into the fullness of it. So one of the, you just said it again and you said it in the message. And I remember, cause I was like, that is so helpful for me. You know, it, it's so easy for us to read the Bible as if it is a fictitious uh, story. If it's just, you know, it's make believe and not actually realize that it's a history book and that these were real people that were just like, you know, it's very clear that Jesus was sinless. It's very clear he was holy. He was different. He was set apart. Um, and we're called to, to become holy, but, and we are positionally, now there's way too much theology that I'm trying to you know, put in there to make sure as a disclaimer or whatever, but, but it's very clear that he was different than the rest of them. <laughs> he was perfect. We are not. But at the, and in that context to say, okay, we are just like the disciples. They were not special, you know, equals to Jesus that were all walking around. They were knuckleheads, as you often say. And so, you know, as we think about that and this opportunity that we have to actually be used and partner with God to make a difference in this world, um, one of the things that you said in that was that the kingdom of God is in you before it's through you. So maybe build a bridge between the, okay, we're not, they weren't superheroes and I can do this too, but there's gotta be something that happens in us for us to walk in that power. Right. So when you take that 
picture of Jesus sleeping in the boat, the bottom of the boat, while this fierce storm is occurring, you know, outside. And he is in the boat with his disciples, and a lot of his disciples were previously fishermen. They are seasoned people uh, at sea. Uh, They have a great deal of experience. Um, There's not much that scares them. But yet this storm was so fierce that uh, they were scared for their life. But yet here's one sleeping in the boat and they go wake him up and are like, hello, you know, uh, what are you doing? You know, do you see the plight we're in? You know, why don't you do something? And Jesus carried a peace inside of him instead of anxiety. He carried a peace inside of him instead of a stress over the situation. He carried a peace inside of him that had authority over the storm. And so there's got to be something that lives in us first before we have authority outside of us. So there's got to be a healing inside of us before we can have authority over the hurt that's outside of us. See, it's the healing that's inside of us that speaks to the hurt outside of us. Okay. You got to stop right there because as you say that, the first thought that comes to my mind is, okay, how many people, including myself, when I wake up, you know, earlier than I want to, and my mind is just overflowing with what about this and what about this and what about this? And I I know enough to be like, Father, I need your peace. You know, you tell us, you know, not to be anxious about anything. So anything with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, I'm making my request. You know, I'm doing those things. But I would say, oh, as you say that, Chris, does that mean, what does it, A, what does it look like to find that peace? And is it you always have it and then you know that you can use that authority? Or is it, okay, we're all human beings and there's going to be times that you're anxious, but that doesn't mean that God can't give you that authority. I do think there are significant moments in time where there's a breakthrough. You know, if you have a particular struggle, a particular stronghold, a particular trauma in your life, that there can be breakthrough in that area where you have peace in an area that you've never had before. And that that peace is, uh, it occurred at a moment in time But it's a peace that is then uh, cultivated. It's nurtured. And the more you choose to live in that peace, then you live from that place of peace and you can exercise authority uh, over the things that used to uh, threaten that peace, the things that would create the anxiety, the stress, the worry, the pressure. And so there are these moments that I think we are given a very specific uh, deliverance from, a very specific victory in a particular area. And once we have victory in that area, then we should um, live in the fullness of that victory and we should continue to develop and nurture that in such a way that uh, we grow in that area. We don't just remain an infant in that area. And so there's times that it does happen in a specific moment in time. There's other times that maybe um, it's not a particular uh, trauma or stronghold in your life 
But, um, you know, it's a new set of circumstances and that new set of circumstances is creating a type of fear. And so what we've got to do is we've got to go back to, wait a second. All right. Who is God? Who am I as his son or daughter? Um, what are his promises and how do we, um, overcome that? Let me give you a, a, an example here recently. And honestly, this was an example that I was praying for you first and kind of me second. All right. So, you know, we have just released and are in the process of releasing in a greater way, the vision of R for R race for reconciliation. And, you know, as I've prayed and as I've seen you work tirelessly for over two years, you know, obviously I see a pressure upon you. I see a certain, um, stress and anxiety about, you know, is this going to work? Are people going to respond and all that kind of stuff. And so the other day I was praying and in praying about it, the Lord just reminded me of, of some things. Okay. Well, you reap what you sow. That was one of the truths I remember. Oh, is that what you're saying? No, no, no. <laughs> well, what I was saying actually was you have sown faithfulness. And so because you have sown faithfulness, you're going to re- reap the faith of God. All right. Uh, because you've sown good seeds, you're going to reap a harvest in this area. And then, you know, I began to, you know, just think about, okay, well, this is something that is in the heart of God. It's something consistent with who he is. Uh, it addresses a sin issue that he wants to have victory over. All right. So that has, it, it's, it's blessable. It has the blessing, the favor of God upon it. Uh, unity is near and dear to the heart of God. And so I started going through all these reasons why God is for this, all the promises of how God says he will work. And by the time I got done praying that prayer, I went from a prayer that was concerned, worried, stressed, is this going to be successful or not? Is this going to work or not? To a prayer that was praying pretty big and extravagant prayers. I love that. And I love, um, I, I love doing this podcast because I'm thinking even the litany of questions I just asked you, um, is so much like our own conversations in <laughs> at home. I'll, I'll be like three prong question that I'll throw at you. Like, wait, wait, answer this, this, and this. And I'm not going to give you a moment to, in between to answer the first one before I ask the third one. But I also love just what, what that what your answer did in terms of helping normalize where things are and where people are in the context of, you know, you talked about peace that's cultivated and nurtured. And I think as I hear that, and I think about all of us have this opportunity to be a part of destroying the works of the devil. It is not for just the super Christians who have their whole act together but at the, and it's about progress, not perfection. You know, it's about, you know, what you, when you have seen victory in an area, man, you step into that authority because you've seen answered prayers. You've seen God be faithful. And there's a way that we can tap into it. It is something that lives in you that can then work through you. Um, but that doesn't mean, again, you have to be a 10 on the 10. Nobody's a 10 on the spiritual maturity scale. We are all in progress. That that 10 is really an, an infinity sign that we don't really get there. Um, so I love that. Chris, is as we think about the the power of this particular message and the opportunity that we have, what are the other things that that you think you know perhaps 
needed to be um, accentuated for people to really take the truth of this passage and walk in it? Yeah. So one of the things I would say is that you have to have authority to deal with authority. And so, you know, one of the things that was lost in the fall of man was just the, um, in the fall of man, the, the enemy gained some authority. And what God immediately wants to do is he wants to take back that authority. He wants to restore that authority. Man was originally given, you know, dominion over all creation. And we were given that dominion to maintain the kingdom of God that was put in place before the fall of man. Well, we've got to recognize that um, because there is another authority, we have to tap into his authority to overcome that. Now, how do we respond to authority? That's challenging in today's culture. You don't see very many quality examples of the way that people respond to authority. So we need to learn how to respond to God's authority. And one of the terms that I mentioned, but I didn't really elaborate upon, is that we need submitted action. That's the way that we respond to authority. We respond to authority by saying, yes, sir. All right. We don't respond to authority by, well, let me ask a few more questions. You know, let me get a few more qualifications. Let me make sure this is something I really want to do or not. You know, do I really trust you? Do I really believe in you? No. Is, is he the authority? So that word Lord means owner and ruler in we really should always begin our conversation with God with yes. And there's that sense, yes, sir, or yes, Lord. And, and so what if we quit making so many things optional? And we have a choice. It's a choice made from a heart of love, okay? But what if we find the way to choose because we see how glorious he is? What if we choose the right thing because we see how good he is? What if we choose the right thing because we want to destroy the works of the devil? And so, you know, what we have to see in this is that um, there needs to be this trusted relationship. He is trustworthy. He's never done anything to break trust. And so if we have biblical examples and we have historical examples that he says, you know, here's another version of the Great Commission in John chapter 17, verse 18, as you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And so here's the bottom line. From his perspective, he says, if I did it, you do it. Well, what if we quit making excuses? And yeah, you know, uh, it doesn't happen immediately, but what if it's important enough that I keep persevering? What if it's important enough that I press on? What if it's important enough that I just simply quit doubting? What if it's important enough that I battle my unbelief with belief? What if I were just to say, you know what? Um, there's a lot of things in life I can doubt, but this isn't one of them. And so what I've got to do is I've got to trust that he is who he says he is, that he has given us this commission 
And in giving us this commission, he's given us the authority and the power to fulfill it. And so therefore, what I have to do, and I'd like to close with this and anything that you want to add to it. In 1 Timothy 4, verses 14 through 16, he says, do not neglect the gift you have. How many of us are neglecting the gift of the Holy Spirit that God's given us and the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the manifestations of the Spirit? He says, do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Now watch what he says, practice these things. See, if we're not practicing, then we're neglecting. Practice these things. Then he says, immerse yourself in them. Like most of us have a casual Christianity. We have an attendance-based Christianity. Are we immersing ourselves in these things? Why? So that all may see your progress. Believers, unbelievers. He says, keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching Persist in this, for by doing so, you will save both yourself and your hearers. What an incredible promise. You will save both yourself and your hearers. The word saved is the Greek word sozo, and it is the word that means healing. So there is a spiritual healing that is permanent and forever, and there is also a present day healing that brings heaven to earth in my present life. Well, Chris, as we do finish this particular podcast, I guess the the last thought that I will add, um, as you're talking about authority and talking about just the human aspect of authority and what that looks like, it just it it just dawned on me as you were talking about that how how that concept of authority is so different now in our culture than it was 30, 40 years ago, um, where there was a chain of command and there was even the business models of, of business leadership was not as much a servant leadership as it was just a top-down approach. And so as we think about how our culture has shifted, um, I think we have made that shift in our context of God that we, we come to him with that same, now, should I trust you? Um, think about how many authorities we don't trust, how many authority figures have proven untrustworthy. And just as you were saying that, I just thought, wow, that is so true. But if we go back even into the days as, as Jesus was saying, you know, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's, that there's, there's still, we are still called to respect authority, but to be careful as believers not to um, take that worldly lens and that worldly disappointment that imperfect people are going to disappoint you and apply then that same grid to how you view God, that, that he is perfect and he has never disappointed. And he is the only one that knows what's best, wants what's best and can give what's best. And that maybe as we think about that in the context of we have to have his authority working in us for us to then unleash the authority that he gives us to exercise here, um, that maybe that will be helpful for someone that has wrestled with that is to say, wait a minute, is there any way that you are taking the pain that maybe someone else in authority has 
caused you and allow that grid to be how you put some distance between submitting yourself to, to God who, who always uses his authority with love and with care and with perfection. So, um, there's so much power here. And of course, uh, an enemy who wants us to think otherwise. And so I hope this series building one city is building your faith. I hope it's building your hope. I hope it's building your love. And I hope you will join us for part four next time. Take care. Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed today's message, share it with a friend and be sure to subscribe to this channel so you don't miss a single episode. Join our movement and help us to prove that love works. You can give towards our mission at onecitymemphis.org.